So if you're just joining, um, this study tonight is called Understanding Ecclesiastes. And the first thing that I want to say is I want to talk about the author of this book. The author is believed to be Solomon, King Solomon. Um, and it, it was written in Solomon's old age. And so what I decided to do was, is I wanted to go to another scripture and give you a little update on what ha what's happening in Solomon's old age. Because if we know anything about Solomon, Solomon, um, he he's a son of David. That's okay, Adrian, you'll, you'll be back. He's a son of, of King David. And he prayed, God said, I I'll give you whatever you want. And he prayed for wisdom so that he could lead his people in the best way possible. And that's a brain. He could have asked for anything. And as a result, Solomon basically got everything. He was extremely wealthy. He was extremely successful. There was peace in his reign. He was, he was such a wise king. You know, my absolute favorite story <laughs> about King Solomon is when the two women went to him and they were fighting over the baby. Because um, basically what happened is, is, is these two women each had a baby and one of the women, and it's kind of, it's kind of a sad story, she rolled over in her sleep and, and killed her baby. I know, I know, that sounds terrible, but it's what happened. Um, and so then she, she tried to claim that this other woman's baby was her baby. And so they went before Solomon and in Solomon's wisdom, um, he said, <laughs> uh, he said, all right. So since you can't decide, we're going to cut the baby in half uh, and you can each get half. And, and, and the woman who, uh, who was the actual mother of the baby um, was like, no, 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 please don't, don't cut it in. Don't harm the baby. G give her. It's okay. She could have the baby. And, and the woman who was not the mother was like, yeah, okay, fine. Cut it in half. Because she knew, hey, if, if I can't have my baby, then she can't have it either, right? Um, and so ultimately Solomon knew in that moment um, that the rightful owner of the baby was the one who didn't want to see it come to harm. And uh, there might be a modern day story about, about that, possibly about a bicycle. <laughs> um, but see, everything's based um, based on the Bible. And so Solomon was extremely wise. He was extremely, uh, um, he, he, he was, he had, you'd think when I'm about to read this story in first Kings, you're probably going to ask yourself if he was so wise, um, how, how could he possibly get caught up in what I'm about to read? Well, um, you'll see first Kings chapter 11 and verse one, if you have your Bibles open there and, and turn there with me. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon hold, held fast to them in love. Let me stop there for a second. Um, just our previous comment, T, it's not a controversial opinion to like Ecclesiastes. I actually kind of like it too. Once I knew what it really meant, I, I started to like it more. So basically, God had told the Israelites, 
you must not intermarry with women from these nations. What did Solomon do? Nevertheless, he held fast to them in love. So clearly we see that there was a weak point. It doesn't matter how wise Solomon was. Doesn't matter how many riches he had. It doesn't it didn't matter that, that you know he built the temple and he was this this mighty man and all that. He had a clear weak point when it came to women. Um, hey Pina, glad you're here. You made it. I knew you'd make it. Um, verse three. He had seven hundred wives. Whew, that's a lot of wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray what god was not trying to you know and, and can i just i'm just going to interject this a lot of times um hey lou good to see you a lot of times we see commands in the Bible that we, we don't, why, you know, God just wants to ruin our fun. No, that's not the way it works. God knows. He understands what's going to happen to us if we, if we engage in things that he forbids. He's not trying to ruin. And by the way, if you think that, if you think something that God calls sin is actually fun, then I would recommend that you get your life right with the Lord because there's a problem. Oh, you know, I don't get to do anything fun. What do you consider fun then? You know what I consider fun? This, preaching the word, uh, uh, being in church. Oh man, you guys got good comments tonight. Um, well, Sheba, I mean, I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't say that it was women in particular, but I would say it's wrong relationships. I would say it's wrong because there was a lot of great women that did a lot of great things, but I would say wrong relationships. John, well, you know what the Bible says that it, it's better to be, what does it say? It's better to be on the, the, the corner of a roof or something than with a nagging wife. My dad says, I heard someone say that when he got home, there'd be at least one in a good mood. <laughs> oh, man. His wives led him astray. Verse 4, as Solomon grew old. So remember, because I'm setting the stage here. The context of the book of Ecclesiastes was written in Solomon's old age. Okay? Um, as Solomon grew old. His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sid Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. I'm not sure there's even a worse uh, uh, god, that, god, small g, that existed than Molech. Um, Pina, we are in 1 Kings chapter 11. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. You know, the, the preachers mention this all the time. I think Pastor Steve mentioned this. The great thing about the Bible, it tells the truth. It doesn't sugarcoat things. It doesn't try to make everyone into a hero. It doesn't gloss over the flaws of people or the mistakes that they made. The Bible tells the truth. And so right off the bat, you have to understand that Solomon, at this point that he was writing this book, there's a lot of regret as well um, in Solomon because he knew that what he was doing was wrong. 
you, you know, let me, let me keep reading. Verse 9. Hey, Ro, glad you're here. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Could you imagine that? That the God, the, the Lord, the God of the universe appears to you twice. And you allow your heart to be led astray for love. As if he couldn't find another woman. Anyways, you know, and here's the thing. Can I, can I just throw this in? I know we, we will. <laughs> it's easy to blame the women. What was Solomon doing? You're the wisest guy that ever lived. Like, get your act together. They, they were not, they were foreign women. They were not godly women. What did you think was going to happen? Get yourself a godly woman and she won't lead you astray. And get yourself a godly man who doesn't follow his flesh, but follows his spirit. Because Solomon was clearly following his flesh. Um, although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. I mean, Solomon, he would have gone down in history, maybe as the best king, you know, he, he, the fact that he, he, he ruled so, so wisely and justly. He had peace during his reign. He built the temple. But he, he followed. He, he turned away from the Lord. And again, it's easy to blame the women. But they, weren't, they were not godly women. What did you, what did you think they were going to do? P push them towards the Lord? Friends, let me tell you something. If you get into a relationship with someone who does not love the Lord. And then they, you know, you start to, to, to backslide a little bit. What a shock. Don't do it. It's up to you. If you're the godly person, it's up to you to make sure that you find another godly person. You're bringing someone into your life who doesn't know the Lord. You think that they're going to encourage you to go to church? You know, last night we had an Ascend service. Do you think, um, uh, you know, th that if you're in a relationship with an ungodly person, that they're going to say, you know what, I know we, 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 went in, we went to church in the morning and um, the service went late. So it's like, you know what, um, you know, I'm tired. No, a godly person will say, let's get going. You know, that, you want to know why I am the way I am? Because of my, my parents. My parents live, they don't live close to church. They got home late, you know, and they were back there for a send, both of them. You want to know why? Because they're godly people, led by my father. You, you want your things in your home to go well? You better be sure that you find a person who not only loves the Lord, but, but you know, not, just, not that they just say they're a Christian, but they follow the Lord and they're led by the Spirit. Um, I will answer that. I, I want to, I'll never finish the study if, if I get in, in, into that question. It's a good question, but, but I, I'm already like almost halfway through and I've barely started. So I got to go quicker here. Um, 
you know, sorry, I, 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 I gotta go on that tangent because, you know, I know there's young people here. I know there's people here who aren't married yet. Listen to me. The worst mistake you'll ever make in your life is marrying someone who doesn't love the Lord. It'll, it'll be the biggest mistake you ever made because just like with Solomon, more than likely, and I don't want to hear the one story out of a hundred that turned out okay. Yeah, sometimes it could turn out okay. Don't risk it. I, 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 you know how many times I hear that? Can I tell you something, guys? I have friends. And I don't want to get too detailed because I don't, you know, people might know who they are. Their mom married a man who wasn't a Christian. And, but he ended up getting saved. And, and he's still saved. And he's a real man of God. Um, and so his, their, their, their children would always say that. Well, you know, look at my parents. Um, look at my parents. Um. Uh, you know, and I don't want to get too detailed. Um, let's just, long story short, neither of the kids are serving the Lord and they're not with godly people. So don't tell me the one example. Thank God. Thank God for that one example that worked out because there's a 99 other ones that crashed and burned that either ended up in divorce or the people uh, don't serve the Lord at all or kids got caught in the crossfire. Be very, very careful who you yoke your life to. It's not a joke. I know this is not what I meant to teach about tonight, but I just, whatever. Um, it's a rare case. And, and again, praise God that it worked praise god that it worked but it, it's not you don't you don't go by the one rare exception and if you're already married uh, it, it, god is a god of restoration he's the god of forgiveness he's you know he's the god that that can do anything so i don't want you to feel man i'm, I'm in a relationship i'm unequally yoked god can can do anything but i'm talking to single people i'm not talking to married people i'm talking to single people who are listening be very careful who you marry um okay let's get on with the study <laughs> so solomon here we are he wrote it in his old age i want to talk about so in his old age what was happening he was not serving the lord so right off the bat, if you know and understand that he was not serving the Lord, um, that I think, and at least for me, it changes um, how you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? Well, Steph, you're in good company. Paul didn't either. <laughs> I want to talk about the purpose and the message of Ecclesiastes. The purpose. To trust in God... And not in anything else. Number two. To disillusion those. Who would put their trust. In the things of this world. By pointing out the vanity. Of all earthly things. So Solomon. By the way this. Ecclesiastes is written. It's written in the form of a sermon. And so you know. It's written by. The, they call the nickname that's given to the writer of this book. Is, is the preacher or the teacher because it's written in the form of the of a sermon so king solomon had gotten to a position in life where he can have anything he was able to satisfy every single desire 
um, his, his physical desires, materially, mentally. He had everything. But he soon discovered that without the fear of God, life was empty and futile. Let me say that again. He soon discovered that without the fear of God, life was empty and futile. So what's the message of this book? That apart from God, apart from God, life is full of weariness and disappointment. And so the whole duty of life is to fear God and keep his commandments. Turn to Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 12. I, the teacher, so they, they, that's the title, teacher with a capital T. So he thinks, uh, thinks highly of himself. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call myself teacher with a capital T. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So Solomon here is pointing out the vanity of all things. Listen to what it says. Under the sun. What are all things under the sun? It means all things in the earthly realm. This is something extremely important to keep note of. He said, I have seen things that are done under the sun. So what this means is all things in the earthly earthly realm so he's not saying that that you know everything's meaningless nothing matters no he's pointing out something that that there is vanity in everything on this earthly realm now again this is a very extreme um way of saying it he doesn't sugarcoat anything but like i mentioned earlier the bible this is a a a, a man who's speaking uh, um his thoughts you know, the Bible does not, um, you know, like I said, it doesn't make everyone into a hero. It doesn't make everyone into the perfect person. These are, these are imperfect people, okay? So Solomon is showing the folly of human wisdom outside of God's divine wisdom. You know, the scripture, what do we know about the scripture? It's all God-breathed and inspired by God. So you say, well, why would God inspire this book? To teach us a very valuable and important lesson that human wisdom is folly outside of God's divine wisdom. Because there's two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom of the world and there's God's wisdom. And so human wisdom, and you know what? How many times have we heard that? Oh, you know, you gotta use wisdom. Well, which wisdom are you using? Because human wisdom is folly right so solomon eventually comes to the conclusion that only god can bring fulfillment and that our hope and our trust must be in him alone right now scholars you know again the, the, you could do a, a very long big deep study on this uh hey alicia good to see you scholars believe that essentially Ecclesiastes is the record of Solomon's regret and then his subsequent repentance from his moral lapses, which we talked about in 1 Kings chapter 11. So in its proper context, though it can be seen 
as a pessimistic book. It doesn't teach pessimism. It contains the true thoughts of a man. So let me ask you this. Have you ever had a moment where you're, you're kind of thinking out loud or you're praying and you're like, I, you know, I don't understand this. I don't like any of this. You probably have, right? So these are the true thoughts of a man that were inspired to be put in the word of God to show us something extremely important. Okay. So you have to keep in mind, this is now, this is the key. If you're taking notes, um, God's revelation is progressive. God's revelation is progressive. Solomon didn't know everything. Doesn't matter how wise he was. He didn't know everything. You know, um, when Abraham was instructed to sacrifice his son Isaac, did Abraham have any knowledge or revelation or understanding about Christ? No, he didn't. It hadn't been revealed yet. And so one thing you need to understand about scripture and especially the different Bible characters that you see as you go along, God's revelation is progressive and later revelation teaches more than what was available to Solomon. Solomon had a limited amount of revelation that was, you know, given to him. And so again, if you're reading Ecclesiastes and you're looking at it like it's not in the New Testament, it's an Old Testament book written by a man who did not have the full revelation of God's plan. And that was the case with a lot of different Bible characters. So sometimes you ask yourself, oh, why did they do that? Why did they react that way? Why did they say this? Why, you know, how, how could they be so disobedient? There was a very limited amount of revelation that was given out at this time. So remember, I want write it down if you're taking notes. God's revelation is progressive. So Ecclesiastes, it points out a very basic human problem. This is the problem that Ecclesiastes points out. That satisfaction, while it's sought in the world, there is no actual satisfaction in the world. You're probably thinking, well, I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah, because you're in Christ. You know, I just actually saw, and it was kind of, it, it was sad and made me feel sad. It was a picture and I had a, a nine different, um, like Hollywood, uh, actors and musicians and all of them have in, at some point took their own life. And you look at all the people in the picture and in the picture, they're all smiling and they all look happy, but all of them took their own life. These are people more famous than anyone. They had all the riches in the world. They had everything available to them. And yet their life was so futile that they didn't even want to live it anymore. And they, and they took their own life. So when we're talking about the fact that satisfaction is sought in the world, but it cannot be found in the world. It's because the only satisfaction that you could truly find, the only contentment of heart can only be found in God. True satisfaction is found beyond this world, which is in God. And for us now, it's in Christ. It's like there's a, a God-shaped hole that can only be filled by him. 
It can't be filled by anything else. And you'll have people that will spend their whole lives trying to fill it with everything possible. You know, they'll, they'll go after everything and they'll try to do everything and they'll try to accomplish everything. But nothing will ultimately satisfy them. Nothing. And Solomon realized that and understood it. Because what happened in his life, which we very graphically read in 1 Kings chapter 11, his heart was led astray. He fell in love with women that he was forbidden to marry. He married them anyways. They led him away from the Lord. And as a result, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, worshiping other gods, abominable gods. Small g. Turn to Ecclesiastes 12. Because in a, at the end of the book, he makes a conclusion. And here's the conclusion. And this is, so again, if you're thinking Ecclesiastes is some depressing book and he's like practically suicidal. No, not at all. He, he's, he's, again, he's expressing it in a way that maybe comes across as, as pessimistic. But in it, again, in its proper context, that's not what it's teaching. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. That's, to me, that's pretty powerful. That's how the book ends. That, those are the last verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you're not super familiar with it, you're probably thinking it's, it's some like really like sad, like, oh, everything's meaningless, everything's this, everything's that. And then you realize, well, wait a minute. He's come to a conclusion. And the conclusion is the only thing that matters is that you fear God and you keep his commandments. And he learned it the hard way. He didn't have to go through it. But that's the choice he made. Like what we talked about last week. God gives, he created people as free moral agents that are able to choose whatever they want. Now, I didn't get to this last week and this was kind of the whole um, reason why this came up. Turn to Ecclesiastes 7 verse 13. Ecclesiastes seven thirteen. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are bad, sorry, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these. A righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. Well, um, I agree, Ked. I agree. That sounds, um, that sounds pretty, um, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> They're not great scriptures, but let me explain this to you again. Now, now what do we know? So see, that's why I went through the whole context of the book before I came back to the scripture. What do we know? Solomon wrote this book in his old age. What did Solomon experience in his old age? 
he turned away from the Lord because he, he was married to foreign women who led his heart astray, right? And, and he stopped serving the Lord and he was worshiping other gods, which was detestable to God. So we knew that. What else do we know? That this records Solomon's regret and his repentance from his moral lapses because he recognizes that he messed up, right? Look what it says in, in verse 25. It says, to understand the stupidity of wickedness. The, he's, the stupidity of wickedness. He's basically saying, I, 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 I don't say I'm stupid. I don't like, I don't like using the word stupid, although it's here. I'm reading the scripture. Um, you know, he, he was a fool. He was a fool. The stupidity of wickedness. He recognizes that. Okay. He recognizes that. So, so we know that. And what else do we know? Like I said, revelation is progressive. He had a very limited amount of revelation. He didn't understand everything there was about God. Well, we still don't ever understand everything, but we certainly have a lot more revelation than Solomon had. So later revelation teaches something that was not available to Solomon. So he's speaking out of what he knows and what he understands, right? Okay. So let me ask you this. When did Solomon's problems start? When did they start? Well, we read it in 1 Kings. They started after he turned his heart away from the Lord. Interesting. Didn't seem to have any issues when he was uh, full of wisdom and running the kingdom and building the temple. Didn't seem to have much issues there, did he? Remember King Uzziah that we talked about a, a few weeks ago? What happened with him? He was successful and prosperous in everything he did so long as he obeyed the Lord. What happened? What happened? What do we know? Pride entered his heart. And he turned away from the Lord. And then he was struck with leprosy. Interesting, is it? Isn't it? Following the wrong women, Gabriel. Following the wrong women. Ungodly women. When their hearts turned away from God, their problems began. God didn't suddenly say, oh, you know what? Solomon's had just about enough prosperity. I'm going to send them a little bit of adversary. Adver um, yeah, adverse sorry, adversity. No, no, that's not how it went down. That's not how it went down. Um, and we know that. If you follow the wrong men they could also lead you away from the lord which by the way gabriel and everyone else who's watching if you study the old testament the problem most of the time were kings of israel and judah who were wicked and evil and as a result caused a ton of problems for the people and all those kings were men so just to say um, now I'm going to get to that Pina. I'm going to get to that. Um, but we were not going to talk about relationships anymore because I already did a whole rant on it before. Um, Solomon understood God's laws. 
Solomon understood God's laws, did he not? Exactly, Sheba, thank you. Um, actually, it's not even about that. It's just about people. People who don't follow the Lord bring about problems, men or women. Um, well, Lauren, yeah, because it's human nature. It's human nature. Um, to, 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 you know, anyways. <laughs> let's, let's stick to the, to the subject at hand. Solomon understood God's laws. God decreed the outcome of obedience and he decreed the outcome of disobedience. That's right. My dad said it. Leaders set the tone for those they lead. Absolutely. And men are to be the leaders. Um, but anyways, that's another subject. Uh, King David's problems, yeah, began with himself. Bathsheba wasn't even doing anything. She, she was doing what she was supposed to do. King David was not doing what he was supposed to do. Um, so I want to say that again. God decreed the outcome of obedience and he decreed the outcome of disobedience. Read Deuteronomy 28. I don't have time. Um, I don't have time to read that. Deuteronomy 28. I have set before you. Um, sorry. Uh, if you obey. Actually, let me just turn there. There's another scripture that says I've set before you life and death. But Deuteronomy 28, which I think we all know it pretty well. I'm trying to find it because I don't know. Ah, here. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. There is a very important lesson to learn. When, when Solomon says, God made one as, as well as the other, God decreed, this is what happens if you obey, this is what happens if you disobey. And it's clear in Deuteronomy 28, read the whole thing. If you obey, I will do this. If you disobey, all these curses will come upon you. It's very straightforward. Very straightforward. It's actually not complicated at all. But Christians love to complicate it and make God out to be schizophrenic. Uh, so today I'm going to give you a good, you know what, tomorrow actually, I think I'm going to give you a bad thing just to see how you handle it. No, that's not how it works. Listen, what do we know about God? John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal kill and destroy but i have come to give you life and life more abundantly what do we know of god turn to james chapter 1 james chapter 1 verse 13 when tempted no one should say god is tempting me for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed then after desire is conceived it gives birth to sin and to sin when it is full grown gives birth to death don't be deceived dear brothers every good and perfect gift is from above 
coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift God doesn't tempt. He doesn't tempt with evil. If you're tempted, it's the own your fleshly desires for sin. It's not God. Because every good and perfect thing comes from above. Every good and perfect thing comes from above. Turn to John 14. John 14, 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us love. He gives us strength. He gives us joy. He gives us wisdom. He gives us grace. He gives us authority over the enemy and divine power through the Holy Spirit. All good and perfect gifts come from above. So when Solomon's saying, hey, well, you know, good comes from God and bad comes from God. No, consequences. That God, yes, God has decided these are the consequences, but I'm telling you up front what they are. Well, why did this happen to me? Ask, your, ask yourself that question. Now, is our, is our faith tested by, by uh, uh, persecution? Absolutely. 1 Peter 1 verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while... You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and, as, and may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Yes, our faith is tested by, by persecution for our faith. It's easy. If you don't want to face persecution, you could very easily get out of it. Don't take a stand for your faith. It's not hard. That's it. But we're not tested with sickness. We're not tested with depression. Those are evil things that come from the enemy, not from God. So if your life is going bad, you better examine and try to figure out why that is because it's not from God. There are trials and tests and persecution for serving Jesus. That was promised to us. It is not trials that were already covered through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So are we going to suffer for our faith? Yeah. Some of us are. Some of us are already in a very small way. But, but for Canada, it's suffering. For, for Pakistan, not so much. <laughs> they, they, would, they would be happy with that. But for Canada, it is. Why? Because we take a stand for our faith. We did what was right. And we're facing a, a, a penalty for it. But that's, that's, that's all part. Jesus promised us that. But every good and perfect gift is from above. 
Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord our God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. That's it. Complaining is from the devil row. God hates complainers. Look what happened to the Israelites complaining in the desert. He bestows favor and honor. There's another scripture in the Psalms that says that God's favor surrounds us like a shield. That's what God gives. But he made his law extremely clear. If you disobey, this is what's going to happen. And Solomon understood that. And plus... He basically answers his own question in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29. This only I have I found. God made mankind upright, but men have gone in search of many schemes. The evil heart of men has led them astray. It's not God making them go astray. It's them. God, God... <laughs> God's plan for, for humans was to be pure and righteous and, and walk with them in the Garden of Eden all the time. But because of the wickedness in the human heart, led them astray. So you need to, to I, I hope that that clears up um, the book of Ecclesiastes for you. God has to punish the unrighteous. He will pour out judgment. There's no escaping that. It's clear. But I'm going sh- to tell you something, friends. I'm going to share something with you. You don't have to experience the wrath of God. Like I said, and I, and I want to make sure this point is clear for everybody listening. If you don't want to suffer for your faith, it's easy. Just don't take any stand. Don't tell anyone you're a Christian. Don't speak up about the Bible. Uh, uh, you know... Because I know there's a lot of people that 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 um, their families and their friends are very hard on them for their faith. If you don't want to go through that, well, you can just uh, never speak up. So, so that's up to you. So it's not some kind of random that God's just picking at random who to give a hard time to. That's not the way it works. And I, I think it's clear. I think the scripture is clear about that. I think the scripture is clear about that. Um... Where do I see the wrath of God? Well, the book of Revelation, um, the book of Revelation talks about what's going to happen. Um, so it basically explains how God's going to pour out his wrath. Exactly, Steph, whoever denies him before man, he will deny before the father. So it's probably the best idea not to try and hide your faith. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Um, but God will help you. You know, the Bible also says, that even in the midst of persecution, what did Paul say? That God delivered me from them all. All of the trials that he faced and the different things that, that he faced for, for standing up for his faith, God delivered him and helped him. So God's going God's gonna to hold you up. He's not leaving you, leaving you on your own. Right? Like I read in the book of John, that the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, he's giving to you as a gift. 
that power on the inside of you for boldness, for courage. So you don't, you, you do not have to experience the wrath of God that the book of Revelation talks about. What's going to happen to people who have not accepted Christ? Because I'm going to give you a chance tonight to accept Christ. Christ was sent to deliver you. Yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah is a good example. The wrath of God there, he burned the cities to the ground. No one survived. Except Lot and his family, but unfortunately his wife turned back and uh, turned to salt. Lots of creative things happened in biblical times. It's just so cool. I just find it cool. Sorry about, not cool for Lot's wife, but just a lot of interesting things happen. Um, So you do not have to experience that wrath. Yeah, the flood, uh, that was another demonstration of God's wrath. Yes, they did Sheba. There is like an excess of, of salt in that space that, that Lot's wife would have been, which is crazy and awesome. Um, that's right, Lauren. She was a bit salty. Um, but I just, I love how God uses creative things. God's awesome, is he not? Yeah, Gabe, exactly. It's, it's still there. Um, which is like super cool. Don't you love it? Do you guys not love God? He's just so awesome. And he loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you so that you don't have to experience wrath and you don't have to experience hell because hell is a real place. Hell is a real place and you don't want to go there. You know, we had an evangelist visit uh, last night at the church and he talked about how, um, you know, hell, there's going to be a, 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 a worm assigned to everybody. <laughs> you don't want that. I want you to spend your eternity in heaven with me and with everyone here who's watching. So if you've never made that decision, you don't know the Lord, you're saying, man, I, I thought life was meaningless. I, I have no, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know uh, um, where my life is going. I feel like I, I feel hopeless. Well, that could all change. With one simple acknowledgement to say, I am going to follow Jesus. Just like, just read through the Bible what happened when people came and turned to Christ and everything changed for them. And Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. So if you have faith to say, I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life, pray this prayer. Why don't we pray a prayer? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, not think it, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And we do it in a prayer form so that people understand what they're doing. So pray this prayer out loud out of your mouth. Say, Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you, Lord, that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please message message this account and let us know, say, hey, I just got saved. 
and we're gonna help you we're gonna give you resources you know no one uh, um, who gets saved has to be on their own that's why the, the church is here we're here for people we're here to help people um, so I pray this study helped you tonight because um, I when I got a revelation of, of, of truly the depth of, of Ecclesiastes it really uh, and it, it made me enjoy it more when I truly understood um, the context of it 